Pop Shield, a long-form discussion podcast about musical topics both past and present. I'm Gabe, and I'm joined as always by Dan. Hello. And Derek. Hello. So after two weeks with Fiona Apple and another two with Pavement, we promised Dan that the next episode would be something a little more in his wheelhouse. And when we saw that Pitchfork had published an article in honor of Mark Mothersbaugh's 70th birthday, this week's topic suddenly became clear. Devo. A longtime favorite of Dan's, but a glaring oversight, or as we like to call it, a blunder for me and Darren. Now, Devo is not just a fascinating band, but a fascinating phenomenon. Their mainstream popularity, which is massive, like insanely massive, by the way. You know, every every all of our parents, I'm sure, know Devo. Um, that all stems primarily from their 1980 single Whip It, of course. But their obsessive cult following and critical adoration seems to revolve mostly around their Brian Eno and David Bowie produced 1978 debut LP. That's a lot of adjectives. Q. Are we not men? A. Are we, we are Devo. You guys are supposed to, <laughs> we, we were, you guys we, are yeah, supposed we, to come in. <laughs> we practiced Really that well done. We, we did do so. <laughs> <laughs> Are we not men? We are Devo. There you go. So while Darren and I attempted to get into Devo by diving deep into that iconic album, we're also going to try and probably fail to get to the bottom of the Devo phenomenon in general. On that note, I want to start by trying to describe the whole Devo aesthetic and ethos. But first... Um, we should say a little bit more about our previous familiarity with the band. Uh, Darren, how familiar are you with Devo and have you ever listened to this album before? I have not listened to this album at all. Um, I do feel like there are parts of it that I've probably heard in different, Mm. you know, places of pop culture, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, probably like a lot of people, uh, I was obviously very familiar with Whip It, um, (laughs) the music video, you know, I, remember watching um vh1's like i love the 80s and i just feel uh, like devo was like a big part of that just kind of aesthetically um but yeah that's pretty much it i mean so the question is because i'll say that i basically only know whip it as well and um i always knew that this album is kind of like a cult classic but I, I don't think i ever got around to listening to it. although i did kind of recognize the rolling stones cover when i first put this on so maybe i did try it at one time but I'm wondering, Darren, like, do you like Whip It? Because I kind of hate that song, to be honest. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's kind of weird. It's not like a song that I'm just like, I've got on a playlist or I actively <laughs> listen to because I really want to. It's just sort of like something that I've just always heard of and known. So I, I when I was like actually listening to it, like, yeah, let me let me check out Whip It, like put it on Spotify for the first time <laughs> ever. Um, You know, it was like, it was fun, but I mean, it kind of quickly got tired i actually like put it on for my dad um because was you know it's like hey you remember uh devo you remember this song he was like, oh yeah whip it you know <laughs> wow yeah I, I don't know i just i find it very annoying and i i don't know i think we'll, we'll obviously talk a little bit more about that when we get into devo's legacy and all this stuff but dan as the resident fan um you know how would you sum up kind of your relationship with devo and what is it that kind of draws you to them? You know, I don't, I was trying to remember like when I first listened to Devo because because I mean you know like you guys I'm I'm sure the first thing I heard was Whip It and you know uh, that that's not something I'm gonna check out you know if I just heard Whip It yeah um but for some reason I did you know th- this record and I've like loved it ever since it's just I mean it's right up my alley it's like. uh satirical it's synth based uh the the guitars on it are weird um you know it's just like some artsy uh bs which is uh you know 
<laughs> pretty pretty Dan uh, <laughs> thing to like. Checks all the boxes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's it's. I mean, we'll we'll get into it, and I, I do kind of want to try to describe that whole like the whole concept of Devo, but. It does seem like a lot of your favorite stuff, like Zappa, Ween, like in that kind of mm-hmm. world. Is that how you see it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. So, you know, to describe the whole Devo aesthetic, ethos, concept, like I said, I mean, Darren, maybe since you were recently revisiting the Whippet video, you know, how would you describe <laughs> kind of the Devo visual thing? That's a good question. Um, you know, it, it's interesting because, you know, I... I have to admit, I, I didn't know anything really about the story or, you know, kind of where they originated from. Had no idea the yeah we'll get into in a little bit. So to me, it just seemed like, you know, guys who were just trying to dress funny, um, make quirky videos, quirky, you know, music, and you know, it was just just a really fun, you know, kind of almost like shallow good time, right? Like to me, I just never never got it. Like Whip It was just like this funny silly little song about whipping it i don't know what that you know there's a lot of different ways you could you could take that i guess um but you know to me it was it was kind of like that and it, it, it almost like a cartoon in a way right like i, I just uh, i kind of associate yeah. them with like cartoon characters um and i feel like it's been done like cartoons kind of after them were sort of like emulating some of that i guess but that's that's kind of where it where i land on it yeah i kind of think of like it feels like an aesthetic borrowed from like B like sci-fi B movies or something like that. Um, yeah, yeah. There, there's like a robotic quality. There's like a, you know, like shoddily made costumes, you know, with like this stupid helmet and, you know, you just imagine them being like the bad guys in like a low budget movie um, or something like that. Um, it's interesting. And I think I'll have more to say on like the musical front with this, but it's weird because you know you watch like early MTV videos and stuff and they are pretty primitive and amateur looking, mm-hmm. you know, even like the the high budget ones and they look kind of funny now to be honest, but for some reason it feels like Devo just kind of ran with the low budget quality. Like I imagine that they well, I guess I don't really know how much money their label was willing to spend on the Whippet video and all that, but you know, it doesn't look out of place, and yet it has aged better than probably any MTV video from that era because it's, like, intentionally shitty. You know, their whole aesthetic is... You know what I'm saying, Dan? Yeah, I mean, the the whole thing is, like, Devo is, like, one of the originators of the music video. Like, the, like, the band is not right. just a band. It's a, like, visual project also. Like, they've made, uh, all, these, they've made all these, like, little... They used to call them, like, short films, but they're, they're essentially, uh, you know, music videos. Like, like, the first one, Truth About De-Evolution, it's literally just two music videos back-to-back. Uh, right. And, yeah, I mean, they're, they're very, like, um, you know, low-budget. I mean, especially the older ones. You know, it, it looks like something, you know, some, some art students did. And I think they, like, kept that. Um, you know, I, I don't know uh, enough about it to know if that was out of necessity once, uh, you know, they were on Warner Brothers or uh, or uh. what. And I think, you know, I, I did read a little bit about it. And I think it was. I think, like, basically, like, nobody, like, n- none of the suits, you know, like, thought the music video had any sort of merit or, or worthwhileness. You know, it was, like, just too early in the, uh, you know, MTV yeah. era. And, you know, they, they were very, like, f- uh, forward-thinking uh, with them and, and whatnot. So I, I, think it's, I think it's an aesthetic choice uh, as well as a, uh, you know, a necessity. 
Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, th- I think that that's kind of like it's kind of funny. And on that note, you know, maybe you can say more, Dan, about they're clearly very inspired by the Dada art movement, like the aesthetic of, you know, I don't know, how would you even describe it? Like kind of poking fun at at everything and sort of mocking the very idea of like making art or music, right? Yeah, I mean, it's like it's like one of those bands uh, that, you know, you can't really take anything like at face value and we sort of talked about that weirdly enough with like pavement last week you know as like a, that 90s yeah. thing but but the, the, the like what we were talking about last week or uh two weeks ago um that the whole 90s thing was more of a like you know uh, an apathy like i just don't care enough yeah, too where, cool where, to care yeah like yeah exactly like being too cool to care uh devo is is like that that dot i'll look at it you know it, it's like um like 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 Devo's whole thing, like they're making fun of con- consumerism so much that they become like they just are a consumerist band. Like they're they're very uh, like famous for having lots of merch and stuff. And they were one of the first bands uh-huh. to like really like take merch seriously and everything. But it's like hmm. you know, it, it, it's like they're poking fun at it so much by doing it. Uh, like if that makes any sense, yeah. which I think is like a very you know like da da thing uh, to do. Yeah, I mean, what do you make of that, Darren? Like, when you when you listen to Devo, and of course we'll get into the specifics in a minute, but just like, do they sound like ever serious? Do they sound like they're making fun of you? Like, what? How would you describe that? Yeah, it's kind of weird because again, you know, I came into listening to this without any background and and kind of like waited before I checked out the background, you know, just to kind of like I guess consume it as it was. Um, <laughs> yeah, and there were times where I was just sort of like wondering to myself like are they just being weird just for the sake of being weird like are they just purposely you know i could i was i guess i was sort of somewhat identifying that like they were just doing things differently on purpose but i didn't really understand that there was a you know kind of a deeper like more intellectual level to that like it was calculated you know what i mean um kind of like what dan was mentioning regarding like pavement it's 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 so different because it's just like you know you're you're trying not to care right but at the same time it's it can sound like certain songs sounds like you care right with devo i just don't i I think it's harder to identify that just by listening to the music alone right it's so well hidden like dan said they are like a consumer band that like if you aren't basically reading into them i don't know if you're really going to get it or understand that there is a whole new there's a whole other level to this you yeah, know, it, it, to me, it's just hard to identify without additional I, reading that, or understanding. I mean, this might make me sound like a dick a little bit, but that's all, like one thing that's good <laughs> about them, and like one one thing that's so good about like Whip It being this huge hit. It, it reminds me of a lot of like uh, <laughs> like Beastie Boys, you know, Fight Free Right to Party. Like nobody right, understands right. that that song is satirical. Like people like literally just think that it was like a song about fighting for your party and you know whip it like everybody thinks that like devo is just this like shitty one-hit wonder 80s band and like it's it's sort of like they just were and i don't know if they were purposely doing it but like they they, they're like the perfect band to just like you know on the surface level like so many people like it's like you don't know that you're being made fun of you know like like i think you know especially like i'm sure in the 80s you know i'm sure like when whip it was big you know tours and stuff i bet half the people you know in the building like didn't weren't in on the joke it's like it's like a joke you have to be in on you know like an inside joke and yeah um, yeah you know it's kind of a dick thing i guess uh 
you know, to be like, oh, you're so much smarter than everyone else or whatever. But <laughs> again, you know, a, a pretty Dan uh, <laughs> thing to, to, to yeah. do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's like a, because the Dada movement is kind of like, it's like being a prankster, but it's, um, you know, an intellectualized prankster or yeah, something. Exactly, yeah. And and yet it's a little different because if you think of Dada as like, you know, like um, Duchamp puts like a toilet in a museum and calls it an art piece. And then it's kind of like making fun of art in general. Like, yeah, what's the real difference between this toilet and that like beautiful painting? But Devo is like a little different because they're basically making, like you said, um, <laughs> they're making their art match what's going on like in the world. You know, it's like they're writing a good pop song while making fun of a good pop song. So it's weird, but again, I'm just trying to like dip our toes into this whole aesthetic that's going on here. You mentioned that a lot of that is sort of dealing with consumerism, conformity. We'll talk more about that. Um, I was also interested to think about their unlikely, um, you know, where they came up from, which is Ohio, Mm -hmm. right? Like the Midwest. And it seems like they enjoyed this kind of Dada style uh, happening or sort of like a confrontational moment, like performing for an audience of Midwestern, you know, um, hillbillies, basically, and just like playing music that was gonna enrage them, you know, like the Rolling Stones cover or something is like such an insult to the sensibilities of their audiences. Um the other thing, though, that I can't quite wrap my head around, right, is the is the idea of, like, de-evolution. Um, you mentioned that movie, Dan, um, <laughs> where it's like their mission statement or something. And we'll talk about the song Jocko Homo, which is also kind of giving their – it's part of the movie, but it's kind of giving their mission statement. But could you sum this up for us, Dan? Like, what do they mean by de-evolution? They mean that, you know, like – they, they're saying that it's like society is not actually progressing anymore, that like people have like become so stupid that they're they're de-evolving and they're like taking it as like like they are Devo, like they are the, the face of de-evolution, you know, satirically. Uh, but that that's what they're saying. You know, it, it's not like literal de-evolution, like turning back into a monkey, even though like Jocko Homo means monkey man and like... Uh. You know, they, they, they talk about, like, monkeys in there and stuff, but they, they don't, I don't think they literally mean, like, becoming a monkey. They, they become, they, I think they mean, like, becoming, like, simian in nature and just, just you know, like... Just mindless. Mind, yeah, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, what, what, what do you make of that before we dive deep into it, Darren? Like, you know, because I'm sure you read as well, like, I was, you know, just, it blew my mind, basically, to learn this stuff about. They were at Kent State. Yeah, it's crazy. When the, like, famous shooting happened. It was like a radicalizing moment for them because apparently they were kind of like hippies, right? Before that, um, your typical late sixties like optimist who's thinking about like these utopia, this utopian world that we could all you know build together and stuff like that. And then this moment kind of like broke them and just <laughs> made them lose all faith in humanity and sort of build upon this idea that they had used as a joke before, but that people are de-evolving, um, devolving, I guess, and getting stupider, getting more awful, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, what do you make of all that? Yeah, I mean, I, I found it really fascinating, the Kent State story, obviously. Um, and, you know, there's like a quote in the article that I had read uh, where he was basically describing that, like, this is the end of the line, right? Like, if, you know, you can't protest without being shot, 
then you know you just go like in this opposite direction towards like absurdity or whatever you know what i mean um Mm -hmm. and thus that was sort of where devo came out of and you know it's it's interesting and i I think we'll get a bit deeper into it because i i kind of don't know what whether or not it's just hard without without knowing all of that without you know when i was before i read all of that like i don't think it helped right i mean i i think ultimately what they wanted to do what they would want to do right is try to help or spread the message or let people know just how crazy and absurd the world is becoming (laughs) but they are like sort of like supporting that by being all of these absurd things too i don't know it's yeah yeah we'll try to get to the bottom of this like i said i just wanted to like touch on this stuff at the beginning it's kind of like an out of order podcast because i feel like this is the the essential mystery it's like devo has has lore you know it's like a Mm -hmm. band with lore that you have to like get into it's it's very very bizarre to listen to an album this way but on that note let's kind of table that and just dive into the album itself q are we not men answer we are devo darren as a first-time fellow first-time listener how would you describe the sound of this album so you know i think that i was i was like really surprised at how much guitar is on this record like very just clean rock and roll guitar i mean it just is i'm just gonna say it uh, it is it's just rock and roll sounding guitar i mean i was thinking like man this is this is like blue oyster cult in some places or like the cars even like this is just the sound right you know um obviously that's not you know this is not anything like blue oyster cult or any of those other bands really um a lot of weird things happen a lot of it has to do with like the vocals right and then you have like synth kind of thrown in there um but i I guess just like describing like the basic sounds right like you've got guitar you've got a bass you've got drums on a lot of these a lot of these songs and then they're sort of like turned on their head you know um or maybe like the song structure in a lot of ways is like turned on it on its head um and I, i guess really the first two tracks are such perfect examples of that you know you have uh (laughs) <laughs> the opening with like the yeah 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 like just yeah. trying to take like the most common pop like you know right. word yeah. of yeah and just like turning it on its head and then like taking a song like satisfaction from the rolling stones and sort of just breaking it down or whatever into <laughs> something totally different um and there's yeah. never really and i i think it's important to talk about this right like i don't think there's ever a sense where you're like totally uncomfortable or like this doesn't sound like music i mean this is still music in in every which way you know what i mean like there's not it's it's weird but it's not like uh i don't know avant-garde you know what i mean where there's just like a little there's something a little off yeah yeah, like just a little bit i think that's what you're getting at the beginning and i was also shocked at like how guitar driven this record is i mean it comes out in 1978 and it sounds like in the same world as the kind of initial punk movement sure you know like very rooted in that and yet it does have some like pretty hard rocking kind of like you were mentioning like the cars or something or maybe even blue oyster cult uh not that i've listened to a ton of blue oyster cult, but, uh, <laughs> sure sure <laughs> it does get pretty like rock and roll and yet i think that most of the songs have this kind of you know what i would describe as like something kind of angular or like um jagged edges to it you know it's like it'll usually be this kind of like the riff is, is like a looping slightly lopsided thing that's like just it's just like looping over and over again but it's a little bit like 
hard to describe, a little bit weird, a little bit like the pauses in the riff are not where you expect them to be. And just kind of like looping that. And yet it's like fundamentally a punk song a lot of the time. Um, how would you describe just the overall sound, Dan, as a more seasoned listener? Yeah, I think you guys are like on the right track with it. You know, it, it, it's it's like it's like a punk band. You know, it sounds like very CBGB and they did play there yeah. sometimes, you know, um, but it's like it's got this th- th- there's always like some jittery like sort of like stop start like kind of feeling with it you know like the yeah, drums are yeah. always like a little off kilter I-, I i think it's like you know really most noticeable in satisfaction because it's like a song you're you're probably familiar with like before you hear this um and you know they take it and they just like distort it so so much you know um in, in fact like the band said that it's not a cover it's a correction uh which i <laughs> which i love um but you know, like it, it's just like this, this, this. It, it's a, it's like a punk, a punk band, like through this like very strange uh, lens. You know, like it, like it honestly, it sounds like, um, you know, early Talking Heads, uh, yeah, you know, like seventy seven era. But like, if that's just not quite quirky enough for you, <laughs> you know, try out Devo. Yeah, because everything is like really, really fast, and it's interesting because. I have a hard time putting my finger on how exactly they pulled it off because punk bands, you know, they do that. Like you listen to live Ramones, it's like the Ramones were already really fast and then they play it like double speed mm-hmm, and yeah. it just sounds like they can't make it fast enough. And yeah, there's something about speed and like intensity kind of bind it together there. Here it's like the songs don't really get like ripping, you know, they're not like building an intensity. It's just the speed part of it, you know, and it's it's kind of disorienting because he's like kind of shouting, yipping, yelping, like in a, a very David Byrne kind of way. Uh, his voice even sounds quite David yeah, Byrne-ish yeah, yeah. to me. Um, and yet the thing, it just always sounds like the song is like going too fast. I mean, would you use words like, because I don't know how to put this, but again, I was, I was surprised at how much like a punk band they sound, but Darren, would you still describe it as kind of robotic or like mechanical the way that a lot of people describe Devo in general? Yeah, I mean, I think so. And I think a lot of that has to do with the sort of yipping and yelling and shouting of the vocals, right? I, I think that that has a lot of, um, it, it really calls to mind for me that visual of, of Devo, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think I um, think a lot of the robot, you know, kind of thing um, comes from like, like the way those drums are, you know, it just it just like they're always kind of like s- skittering yeah, or something, stiff. you know, that. Yeah, like yeah. stiff, like in a way that's like it's not it's not wrong. And, you know, it, it's almost like sometimes it's it's too right, which is like, you know, the, the whole drum machine uh, issue. Right, um, right. And then, you know, like you said, like those those like sort of looping like riffs, all you know, like everything, even the synth line, like there's always like all the songs are always sort of based around like three or four things that just kind of happen over and over again, which is like a very, right. you know, like robot kind of thing. You know, like it honestly... I, I don't, did, did you happen to watch like their uh their like SNL performance that's like very famous no, from 70 no. well like w- when they perform you know they they do like this whole robot that you know like it, it like reminds me of like uh remember like Chuck E Cheese like those you know the, the, uh, they play like the band or whatever um yeah. you know they do like that those kind of motions and and, and stuff um it, you know and it it, it it has like that sort of feel you know like it has like this synthetic feel which I think when you say that like a lot of people think oh you know drum machines synthesizers and like devo does become like like from the next record on they become like a much more like synth heavy band um you know much much more like new wavy um you know but like 
I, I just don't think people like think of like synthetic in like this way when 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 you describe it that way, you know, before you've heard it. Yeah, I, I want to talk about that, like the very surprising to me lack of synths. Now, I would say that there is like a touch of synth on most tracks here, mm-hmm. but it is kind of like, a, you know, an adornment to the song. It feels like um, they, you know, were you surprised by that, Darren? Like this is supposed to be like the definitive synth pop band and it's like where are all the synths right yeah i mean that's that's kind of why i let off with just like wow there's just so much guitar on this yeah you know album but like you know like you mentioned i mean every pretty much every song has some sort of like synth line just kind of like t- you know tucked in maybe towards the end of the song sometimes when things need to like change or add a little something to it um you know i think of, like, uh, the way you know uncontrollable urge kind of like comes to an end like there's just that like yeah, really zany yeah, like up. synth line that kind of comes in. Yeah, or like mongoloid, like where a ripping guitar solo would be. Um, yeah, instead yeah. it's just like this huge swells of synths and stuff. Um, yeah, they kind of like appear, but they do kind of feel like the icing on the cake or something. Right. And I want to sort of talk about the overall sort of pr- production here, which you know, very famously done primarily by Brian Eno, from what I understand, like David Bowie wanted to be involved but was busy with shooting some film, so he kind of like popped in on the weekends sometimes and yet um it seems like devo was really like resistant to what brian Eno wanted to do with this um and he wanted to like at use more synths and more interesting like sort of atmospheric sound effects and they really pushed back against it because they wanted it to sound more like this guitar driven like punk band sort of thing um you know, I from what I understand, and I just read this on Wikipedia, you know, so who knows, but that <laughs> basically David Bowie ended up like remixing pretty much every song except for Space Junk and Shrivel Up, which are supposed to be Eno's like just original mixes. And, you know, wh- why do you think that is, Dan? Like, how do you explain that? What, what, what was it that they, doesn't it sound like a match made in heaven, like Devo and, and Eno, what was going on there? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I know like that. Um, you, I've never read like the, Devo wrote like this book, and I I haven't read it, and it's it's a little hard to find because uh, I actually was gonna read it before this. Uh, but um, mm. yeah, I don't know. Like I I I know that like Bowie and Iggy Pop like are sort of the ones that like discovered the band, you know, quote unquote. Like um, uh-uh. Iggy was given like a tape or something, and him. I it's when like him and uh, Bowie were living in in Germany and everything, and I know like. Devo lived at Iggy's house like while they were making this record and stuff. Mm. Um so I guess like they were maybe like more wanting Bowie to to do it. Um and then you know yeah, like since he yeah. was busy, you know, you, you get second string with 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 Brian, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it's interesting, right? Cuz their second album is produced by the guy who did like Ziggy Stardust and Aladdin Sane and that era of Bowie. Oh, I didn't even know that. That's yeah, that is pretty yeah. interesting actually. But um So I think you're right. That that's the sound they wanted, not the like low heroes. Yeah, uh, I think you know. I I think like maybe maybe you know like didn't get the 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 joke of it like i mean because if, if they had made this like a more synthy record I, I don't think it would have like the same uh punch that it does you know like i i like most of devo's records you know um but this is like by and large like my favorite you know that when when they become like the more synth uh oriented band uh duty now for the future freedom of choice like those those records are great but you know this is the one i always come back to first and, and those are always the ones that i like sort of go to you know 
when it, when I've burned this one out, you know, or something. Um, yeah. And, and it's because of like, you know, it just, it doesn't have like that same kick because I, I, I think the joke gets more like, um, it's, it's more of like more inside, you know, if it is <laughs> yeah. a joke with the synthy stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so let me just clarify that Brian Eno at this time, you know, this is like they're recording it late 77, early 78. So he's like fresh off of David Bowie's heroes. Um, his own album before and after science uh, would have been like just before this. I think they're actually already working on lodger um, with Bowie, even though that wouldn't come out for like another year. He's just about to start on more songs about buildings and food with talking heads and ambient one famously. Um, so Darren, I mean, what, what did you make of the production here or lack thereof <laughs> considering the like context, you know, the world that Brian Eno was in at this time, how atmospheric the work is that he's doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it, it sounds like they were definitely at odds with each other because this album doesn't really strike me as a huge, um, atmospheric type of album, uh, you know, shrivel up. I, th- I think when you mentioned, you know, uh, it it really kind of stands out a, a bit on the album because yeah, it, yeah. it kind of does have this weird atmosphere and almost makes me wonder what the rest of the album could have potentially sounded like. But, um, but yeah, yeah, yeah I think it's, a uh, it, it's, it's very interesting how, how different, um, you know, it, it sounds compared to like when you think about the producer, you know what I mean? Another thing, like you, you guys both watched that movie, the, the, the version of Jocko Homo that's in that movie is the original like version, right. like pre Eno. Uh, right. Um, and so you could sort of hear like how, you know, what, like, honestly what like little production there is like like there's these two um uh, compilations called hardcore devo and it, it, it's like a demos and and like pre this stuff and uh they're both great compilations um but like jocko homo's on there uh mongoloid um i think so i think stones cover yeah 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 there. that that's what um and you know so you can like if you listen to those hardcore devo like versions you can hear like really like how little kind of production you know like like this isn't a record you put on and be like oh is this Eno? you know like it, it, it's very yeah. like it's very much like, like a surprise you know it's like a good trivia fact <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you're trying to show somebody like how brilliant brian Eno is and you know showcasing a couple of his production works you would never pick this in a million years no exactly and yet i was going to mention um shrivel up is like you said darren it, it really does like it almost hangs me because it feels like what this album could have been to me and i feel like we're, we're jumping ahead a little bit here but like this song is very atmospheric it's got like a dark menacing kind of mm-hmm. very post-punk as opposed to kind of the pure punk that you hear on a lot of other places on this album um it's got it actually kind of grooves the way that like you know the first track on before and after science uh does you know for example and like it has like this effect on the drums it's kind of like making them stutter um it's got like you know just like sort of an interesting sort of use of reverb and stuff like that you know do you feel at all darren like wouldn't it be cooler if the whole album just had this on it i mean i think it would be a very different album um because i mean i really do kind of like some of the the other tracks and maybe it's just because uh they're a bit more rocking you know what i mean but um <laughs> yeah i i mean i do agree I, w- I would love to hear it because i i feel like when you talk about like or i guess what i thought this is kind of more of like what i thought it was going to be like right like kind of weird atmospheric right, you know right, just right. strange sounds from like all the instruments 
sounding weird and not just like a synth here and like a you know the vocals being kind of weird I, when i got to this song it was kind of like it almost felt like a b-side or something like just outside of the album um mm. you know dan had you not kind of laid out like okay this is the last song on the album i probably would have struggled figuring that out at first you know what i mean yeah what do you make of that dan yeah i mean i, I would like to hear and i mean if it exists somebody email me uh like you know a, a, a bootleg <laughs> version of like the um you know like the original you know cuts or something you know like that that, that would be like super interesting but i i don't know i i mean i i love this album the way it is so it, it's hard to say that i would want to change anything i mean i love shrivel up just as much as i love kind of anything else on the record um but I, I i i i get where you're coming from with it yeah it just i don't know because i i like found myself you know over the course of these past two weeks like i was kind of like digging into you know some of the brian eno solo stuff like taking tiger mountain and stuff like that where he, he does some pretty like you know stuff that is shockingly new wave mm-hmm. you know like many years before new wave and um you know i was just like fantasizing about like why couldn't he have just produce this album the way he produced this album it's pretty rocking you know it could have worked but you know damn um okay i want to talk about on that note on the note of new wave the musical innovations of this album so something that i kind of struggled with is like this is kind of called the album that like started new wave right and that's really fucking weird because it almost like shakes up my conception of music history because it's supposed to kind of go like you know punk turns into post-punk turns into new wave that's like how we talk about this um and yet it's like it's all happening at literally the same time Mm -hmm. you know what i mean they're like post-punk bands forming (laughs) as punk is barely getting off the ground um which is weird enough but then the fact that there's new wave stuff happening is even crazier um and yet i mean would you even describe this as new wave is there like a chance that we're just sort of applying what devo turned into to this retrospectively i think a little bit you know i i think if 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 this was the only devo record or if you know they they just kept going in this direction i think maybe we wouldn't like see it as obviously i mean because like like you like you both said you know there, there's definitely synth on this record and you know obviously synth is like the the lifeblood of of, of new wave uh you know like it's here but it, it, it's definitely like accoutrement it's not the you know it's it's not the the, the main dish or, or anything you know right. it, it is a very like guitar based um record but i mean i think the seeds of it are definitely there i i think the like i i think the humor aspect of it is more in line with with new wave than than post-punk and yeah i mean i get you know like like you said like all three of these things basically you know you think of it being like this this neat little timeline but really it's like very divergent right. and you know happening essentially all at once um but i i, I think the, the the seeds are here but you know it's not like like don't come in expecting um you know to hear you know a new order record or something yeah i mean what do you think about that like calling this new wave darren like if you were listening to this in 1978 would you be like this is the next thing you know what I mean? Because like David Bowie famously <laughs> called them the band of the future. And I, I like listening to this, I, I sort of struggled to understand what he heard. Yeah. Yeah. When I read that quote, I kind of felt the same way. Um, and I was hoping, you know, Dan could enlighten me perhaps on it. But, um, <laughs> you know, it, I, I struggle with these like genre titles because, 
you know, I'm just, it, it's just like you just mentioned, like it's kind of all happening at the same time. So like, you know, without like actually looking up like, Hey, what are new wave bands or like post-punk bands? That's really the easiest way for me to to understand like, Oh, okay. I can formulate in that in my, in my mind on, on those things. So like when I looked up new wave, for instance, I see things like Blondie, um, B-52s, things right. like that. And I mean, I could see where this like could fit into that as well. Um, but I mean, you know, I I sort of go ahead, Dan. Yeah, I think like a band you just mentioned, uh, you know, B fifty twos. I think this is it, that's another band I love, um, or at least their first record. Um, like th- this <laughs> this band is like or Devo is like very much in the like or B-52s are in the vein of Defo, you know, like it's like this like sort of fun, uh, you know, thing, but there's, there's this like sense of like artsiness about it. Uh, you know, it's not just like a straight dancing kind of band, but it's like, you know, some, somebody that's not in on it might, might think that way, you know? Um, and you know, like I, I think the B-52s are considered like, you know, really a quintessential new wave band. And I, I think their first record uh sounds quite a bit like this album. Uh, you know, maybe a little yeah. bit more synthy, a little more new wavy. But I think like if you if you listen to, to Devo and then you listen to, you know, the first B-52s record, like I, I think you'll I think I think there that'll really show you that the, the seeds of of what will become New Wave are here on, on this album. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's kind of like what I settled on is that, you know, if you if you go back and you listen to Velvet Underground, you know, you listen to something like, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for my for my man or like uh, Run 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 or something. You can like after the fact be like, oh, I see how like punk mm-hmm. kind of starts here. You know what I mean? But it, like if you were listening at that time, you wouldn't be like, what is this? Is this punk? Like what is this? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it it's just like in retrospect, and I feel like. Yeah, after we we experience new wave, um, you can look back at this album and like see that it's kind of being birthed here. But it's just, I'm just fascinated by the fact that like David Bowie is thinking of this as like the band of the future. Well, you know? I, it's that, like something that, that quote, strikes. I I don't know the context of that quote, like where he said it, but it might be part of him being in on the joke because like Devo's uh, like uh, one of their like catchphrases or whatever is like duty now for the future. And they like always talk about mm-hmm. the future. So I, I always like sort of read that. And like I said, I don't, I don't know the context, but I think it's like a little bit of him, like being in on it, you know, like the, the sci-fi kind of futuristic, like okay. they have, they have like sort of like a, it's almost like a craft work, like sort of feel like not musically, but like yeah. aesthetically. Um, and so I've always like sort of read that Bowie thing as, as as meaning like that you know more of like i mean he sort of yeah, is is right in the other sense too though you know well that's what's crazy right because like if he if he heard like the the devo demos you know and was like this is going to define the sound of the 80s he's like even more of a fucking genius than mm-hmm. i thought no, exactly. you know what i mean like and he was right but it just feels like impossible that he could have like, consciously been right you know but um <laughs> you know i was going to ask like how how is this you know, substantially different from stuff that we heard earlier, like Roxy music, just kind of like glam, but like kind of getting into that new wave kind of stuff. Eno's solo work, like I said, we talked like on our previous podcast about Yoko Ono's approximately infinite universe. Now there's like, there's some like new wavy stuff going on in there. Um, but I guess I want to specifically ask about talking heads. Like Darren, do you think this is substantially different from early talking heads? Not really at all. Um, in fact, I thought it was, you know, 
very similar uh not and not just uh his voice you know his voice or anything like that it just it sound i was very surprised at how i don't know i, I it felt it felt very familiar to me and i think it was just because of having listened to the talking heads prior you know what i mean yeah i mean what's hard is that like the talking heads are on the same like aesthetic wavelength here where they're like you know this kind of dead inside robotic like uh reaction to consumerism or something like that you know like more songs about buildings and food you Mm -hmm. know it's just like the perfect or like uh this is not my wife this is not my you know like Mm -hmm. it's like the very same thing and yet as you can attest dan like they like Devo started in the fucking early seventies. So it's like, you can't say they're copying the talking heads. Like what's going on there. Yeah. I mean, I think that's like, you know, like, like I said, like this record sounds like sort of CBGB and you know, I, I, I think that's like how it is. It's the same thing as talking heads. And I mean, I do agree. I think they, they do sound very similar and that's honestly probably one of the reasons I like this talking heads are one of my favorite bands too. Um, I think it's I think it's one of those you know every now and then you get like just kind of two people have like a I don't want to say the same idea but like a similar idea and it just happens to kind of be you know I mean when it's the, the, a reaction to like uh, the world or you know politics whatever yeah. you know it, it's not like strange that two people had you know like this anti-consumerist you know kind of thing but like you know feeding into it like like both these bands did. Um, you know, so I, th- I think we're just sort of like, it, it, like definitely, I don't think, you know, one's copying the other. So I think it's just like coming up with this, with a similar idea at a, a similar space in time. Yeah, I, th- I think that's, that's a decent explanation. Um, again, I'm just like, I, for some reason, Devo is like this big mystery to me. So I feel like this whole podcast is just going to be like, what's the deal with this? Um, so <laughs> <laughs> like Seinfeld over here. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, you know, so on that, on that note, um, you know. Darren, would you, when you listen to this, we touched on it earlier, but like, would you describe them as kind of, does it sound to you like they're making fun of pop music here? Um, you know, I think the Satisfaction cover is like the perfect way to dive into this, right? Like, what what do you think they're trying to say about the Rolling Stones song in transforming it in this way? Well, you know, without talking about Satisfaction, I feel like... I I couldn't really understand or I, I didn't I didn't understand whether or not they were like making fun of pop songs, right? Because I feel like the only way for that to be like super obvious to someone who is not reading into Devo would would be that the lyrics would are very obviously making fun of trash pop music. But I didn't really get that impression, right? Because it, it sounded like it was in line with other pop songs popular at the time right now looking at like satisfaction you know to me that just without again without all the context to me just kind of sounded like it's just a different take like they're just adding this very weird Mm. devo aesthetic to a rock and you know a rock and roll song you know what i mean yeah because i kind of felt like you know you have to have satisfaction there because it causes you to question the rest of the record Mm -hmm. you know because to me it sounds so much like they are like taking the piss out of this song. And then it's like, and then you're kind of like on edge. Cause you're like, when it sounds normal, like, do they mean this? You know what I mean? Like if it was, if that wasn't there, I feel like you would, there would be just like really nothing to say. Like it would be one of those cases where it's like, 
they might have these highfalutin ideas, but it's not really present in the album itself. But just by putting this one song here, you are kind of like, you know what I mean, Dan? Like you're forced to question everything. Yeah. I mean, I think like 100% satisfaction is like the key to the inside joke, you know, uh, of the record. Yeah. I mean, because especially you got to think like that when this came out, it's not like people could just go on the internet and like read the Wikipedia and be in on it, you know, like, right, like, like right. I, yeah. you know, it, it's yeah. like you, you, you had to like sort of figure it out or whatever. Um, and I think satisfaction is like that key. I mean, I said earlier, the, the quote from the band where they said, it's not a cover, it's a correction. And I think like they, right. they are, they definitely are taking the piss out of that song. You know, they're, they're taking like what, I mean, what, what, what year is satisfaction from? It's from the sixties, right? 65. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, well, the, I was, I was going to mention just as a side note that, you know, if we were to think about like if if this album came out in 2020, they would be covering like uh, "Stronger" by Kanye West or like "Umbrella" by Rihanna. That's how old it was at that time, which is a little weird. <laughs> yeah, that is kind of weird that to think of. <laughs> but no, I mean, you know, yeah. it's like it's like it's like saying taking like some old song, you know, at, at the time and, and and bastardizing it. And they famously like on that SNL performance I I, I talked about like. They they did the they did satisfaction the week after the Rolling Stones were on the show and um, <laughs> there's like a quote from Mick Jagger about it where he says he like didn't get it, um, <laughs> which I think is like perfect you know like like the, this right, this right. old man Mick Jagger um, <laughs> <laughs> which strangely now is um, you know like yeah you know it, it's just like it's not not getting it you know like this 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 rock idiot like couldn't couldn't conceptualize it you know and I, I think that yeah. I, I don't know like this song you know I, I I said like before like it sort of has this like feeling of like the Chuck E. Cheese robot band and I think like this song like in particular like really like it, it's like having one of those robot bands like play a song you know it, it's it's right you know what yeah. song like when you when you listen to this like you I mean, even without the lyrics like you you know what song they're playing but it's not right you know it, it like has like that real sort of like like that's such like a thing that puts you like on on edge or whatever you know it's like it's something when you hear it and it's like it's just wrong enough where you you recognize it but you don't fully you know what i mean yeah, I mean, I just feel like it's, you know, it's 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 a perfect song choice because it's like a very it's like a youth anthem, you know, it's like mm-hmm. one of the the like top you know just rock songs like period, and they've like sucked the life out of it or something. They've turned somehow like this song about just like sexual energy and sexual longing, you know, like Mick Jagger just wanting to get laid basically, um, into like math is what they've turned it into somehow. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, a, it's like it's, a math it's, rock song. <laughs> yeah, and it's like so startling just because it's that song. Like almost, If it was almost any other song, it would be, it just wouldn't work. But because it's that song, it just makes you realize like a, a little bit about what is going on here. Um, you know, can we talk about a, some of the other like lyrical themes? I mean, we've talked about the whole like mission statement of Devo. Um, you know, there's there's certainly stuff sort of, yeah, like taking the piss out of commercialism consumerism branding you know you mentioned the merch and stuff dan it's like very interesting how like branding as a band it like always existed but i don't think bands thought about it you know and they were like one of the first to kind of think about their brand and yet they're making fun of having a brand um but what do you make of some of the lyrical themes uh that you noticed darren well you know uh, i i look at like uh comeback Joni. Um, 
which is actually one of my favorite songs on the record, I guess, uh, musically. Um, you know, and I'm like, kind of like, again, this balancing act of trying to understand what is happening here. Are they, what are they making fun of? Are they making fun of something? You know, my, my listening to this record has altered as I learned more. Right. Um, right. They mentioned like Johnny be good. And then, but they're, the song is called come back Joni. Right. Um, and so like, I, I don't know. I, I guess I, I didn't really like understand most of the points of the songs. Right. You know, lyrics are sort of something that's secondary for me for listening, but right. right. You know, not, it, it all just seemed like, I, I don't know. I guess I kind of just thought everything is just sort of like weird and quirky. Right. Like the song Jocko <laughs> homo and they're just, you know, repeating like, um, are we not men? We are Devo like over and over again. Um, like a, like a mission statement, but one that I'm not in, in on the joke right, or the inside right. of, you know? Yeah. Like, like that comeback, Johnny, you know, it's like, it does feel like, cause the, the lyrics are sort of loosely, a, they have this kind of like, um, trope that you hear in a lot of like rock songs where it's like a guy like buying a guitar and setting out on his mm-hmm. own or something like that. You know what I mean? And, um, and yet he kind of like crashes into a semi or something. And it's all, it just feels like that's another like little taste of rock history and them kind of like taking the piss out of it. And yeah, like you mentioned with Mick Jagger, not getting this, you know, it feels like they're pretty consciously like drawing a line between what happened before and what's happening now. Like, how, how would you describe the lyrical content and stuff, Dan? Yeah, I mean, you know, I I think the like most overtly, you know, like consumerist thing is a uh, too much paranoia. Um, you uh, know, like they're they're just like saying. Um, I think it's an old McDonald's ad. It's McDonald's or Burger, like that whole right. lettuce, you know, special orders don't upset us and all. You know, and and then come back, Joni is another good one. You know, like it's doing this like weird bastardization of, uh, you know, uh. Johnny be good but but then you've got sort of like things that I think just are sort of like a little funny like space junk I I kind of I struggle yeah. a little bit to find like a, a deeper meaning to space junk except that I mean you can see it as like um you know I, I as like a, a a technology kind of gone wrong I I, I can't remember off the top of my head, like what year Skylab was deorbited, but it was like a whole big thing that like they, they weren't exactly sure where it would land. And there was like some, you know, the media pumped it up that there was like this danger of it hitting land. And there was all, <laughs> right. there was all kinds of things uh, uh, about space junk um, in, in the late seventies. I, I should have looked it up. I, I can't remember if that, if this is directly like talking about that or just, you know, other, other things, but you know, like I, I can see like the technology sort of thing. Maybe it would make more sense if you, if you, you know, were in the time. But you know, uh, other things like uh, uncontrollable urge. You know, like it, I think that that that's a great song to have like right before satisfaction because you know satisfaction, like you said, is is about Mick Jagger like having this sort of uncontrollable urge to like get laid and stuff. Right. And so you have the song before it that it's like you know talking about this guy having an uncontrollable urge but it doesn't feel like the same sort of way it's like almost like is he like a a maniac you know like you you sort of like don't don't it doesn't seem sexual (laughs) or or like it 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 seems more like um menacing yeah yeah and and i I think you're right darren that like because he's doing like the yeah 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 and you're like (laughs) 
is he serious? Yeah. You know, it's like right. just a little, a yeah, little bit yeah. of like, is he making f- fun of rock choruses? And just the way that it's like, you know, the way that like the backing vocals come in over the hook, like he's got an uncontrollable <laughs> right. urge. You know, it's like, I think you'd be listening to that and you'd be kind of like, is this for real? And then you get to track two and you're like, oh, I see what's going on. Here. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it kind of does. It does like a funny like thing to you, but you know, and then there's other stuff like um, praying hands is kind of like a brilliant, you know, it's like a dance. Um, there's gotta be a name for this genre. You know, like the songs that like tell you how to dance to it. Yeah. Is there yeah. a name for this? I don't know. There's gotta be some, what's that one song they always play at weddings, Darren, you do wedding things. Uh, well, you know, wobble, cha cha, real smooth, yeah, 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 cha cha, yeah, yeah, that one, that one. Like <laughs> yeah, Darren's kinda... got the whole list. <laughs> <laughs> he probably hears them more than any other human, uh, because Darren films weddings. I don't know if we ever mentioned that, but uh, <laughs> he doesn't just go to a lot of them. Um, <laughs> no, he just knows a lot of people that get married. <laughs> a lot of weddings. Yeah, yeah, just all every weekend, pretty much. Um, yeah. So anyway, it's one of those type of songs, like a hokey pokey kind of thing, and. Yet it's kind of like about praying, you know, so there's something like something about like religion being this conformity or something, you know, something, some deeper thing going on like that. And yet it's got that like simultaneous stupid quality of those songs, you know, where it's just like a put your left hand here, put your right hand here, wash your hands three times a day kind of thing. So there's like a lot of mockery. And yet I think the essential question for me, um, and we can start sort of, I want to start talking about like maybe other songs we haven't gotten to, gotten to touch on yet, but like, like the essential question to Devo here is like, is it enough, you know, the, the making fun of, you know what I mean? Because you talked about like how as they move into like whip it and stuff, they kind of have converged so much on what they're making fun of that you pretty much can't tell the difference. And I think there are times here where it's like really obvious. And yet, you know, like you said, uh, Darren, there's like some real just rocking, you know, like guitar solos and stuff like at the end of uh, Space Junk or something. Just like a ripping solo. You know what I mean? Um, so is it like I don't know, Darren, would you describe it as cheap? Like they're making fun of it, but they're just they're still just doing it. They're still just a rock band at the well, end of the day. Yeah, and I mean that's just like what I sort of struggle with because you know, if there's a if there's a goal here, if there's like a message that they're they're trying to get across, if there are people they're trying to save, right, from you mm-hmm. know, devolving, I don't know I don't know if like if they're helping in that department or if they are just <laughs> pushing listeners on with it. I, I mean, I guess if you're in on the joke, like Dan has mentioned, like if you're in, then like you, you're not devolving, right? You're not, but you know, for all the fans who loved whip it, you know, my father included in there, you know, <laughs> just consider that to be, you know, a one hit wonder type of thing. And they've moved on. Like it did not, you know, he he certainly was not somebody who like stopped and thought, wait a second, you know, <laughs> this is trying to, you know, prevent me from doing something or like trying to make <laughs> me understand something more about consumer. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, but right, I don't think that right. that's the point of the band. Like, I think that's, Probably, yeah, that's you're what, right. like you're not getting like that. They're not trying to save people like that. That's part of the, the thing. And I think that's part of the like Dada, you know, like like Dada was called like anti art. And like you said, like Duchamp, like putting Fountain in 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 the that, you know, art contest or, or trying to, you know, like it when, when people like don't understand that, like that's the thing. He's not trying like I, I think like Duchamp doesn't want like the average person to understand like that he's making fun of 
like these art contests um with with fountain it's supposed to be like you get mad at it you know like like he's pro- he yeah, was provoking yeah. people you're not supposed to get the joke you know and i think that that's devo like you, you're not really so, supposed to get it so is it only for like elitists who can yeah. just like turn and look and say <laughs> like look at the idiots out there like is that what this is for yeah i think i think it sets up you know it's like i don't think it's necessarily a bad thing but i think about like the band tool who we've talked about on this podcast as well where <laughs> oh, it's yeah. like they they create this kind of like intense devotion among their fans by creating this you know weird space where it's like the real fans get it you know and mm-hmm. the others listen but they don't get it you know what i mean and like <laughs> in some ways it's a little cheap and a little off-putting you know because you're kind of like having it both ways you know what i mean like you're still making often very dumb songs here and like and then propping it up with this kind of like you know of course it sucks it was always supposed to suck you know like there's there's something a little i was only pretending (laughs) (laughs) right 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 it's that same that same like trolling yeah it's like a proto 4chan kind of a thing at at some points i i think the thing though is i i think if you if 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 you strip all that away i think this is still a good record like this is just a great like you know early uh you know new wave or uh you know late pope uh punk like sort of record i i I think like like truly like if you if you took the lyrics away and you you just had these songs i think they're like good songs um i think that like i i really like the like the 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 stuttery robotic like jittery drums and 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 guitar riffs and stuff like i like that like without the 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 joke or the the you know inside you know nest of it i i think like underneath it all like if you strip it away they're just actually good songs uh the you know same way like you know ween like i don't really like part of the thing with ween is that it's funny but like they're just also like songs that you want to listen to you know like like if it was just joke songs that you know it'd be weird out and you know be garbage yeah that's a good point because you know like um ween's like chocolate and cheese or whatever a lot of times they're like making fun of different genres Mm -hmm. and stuff like that um and it just so happens that like all the songs are really good, so it, you kind of like get to enjoy it anyway um, while laughing at it. But so I, I think that's fair. You know, I think that I want to talk about just some highlights and then some lowlights. Um, I guess you know I try to do highlights first, just to not be like a, a dick. But because we're <laughs> on the topic, I think there are a couple songs here where it like kind of breaks down. So like the song Mongoloid, for example, is probably like my least favorite song here. Um, it's it's problematic as hell. Yeah, um, yeah. Spent a lot of time. <laughs> a little <on> that. bit. <laughs> it's like a, a a person with like Down syndrome who they're calling a mongoloid. Um, is like, you know, because the world has devolved so much, he just like fits in just fine. You know, it's like really, it's really, really fucked up. Incredibly fucked up. But um, the my my qualm is that it's kind of like a shitty like local bar band kind of a rock like. He was a mongoloid. He was a mongoloid. You know, it's like <laughs> I really think that song kind of sucks. It's, and like, yeah, it's you, very you, annoying. I don't like this song. And you're kind of like, you know, okay, they're making fun of it. I get it. It's supposed to suck, but you know what I mean. Like at the end of the day, it just kind of sucks. I disagree. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that's a surprise, but I I like that song. I mean, you're right. It is it is problematic, and I've tried to avoid saying the the, the title a few times. But um, you know, I think it's. I mean, it's hard to say it's a fun song because of like the subject matter and all. But I I think like 
t- take the subject matter away and just just the music to it i i think is like a fun new wavy kind of you know punk song that that that's that's not bad i i don't know just like i just imagine like going to a local bar and like just replace the lyrics like I, I live for rock and roll i live for rock and roll you know what i mean like imagine how fucking shitty that song would be i guess that's you know what i mean again, yeah. i mean you know i'm sure acdc probably would yeah, right. yeah. That's <laughs> but yeah no this is this one this song in particular just really um i just found kind of annoying and and it you know I I pretty much agree with with what what you're saying, but um, but yeah, it really is that chorus that just kind of like drives me crazy. I'm just like, it, but what really annoyed me is that it like kind of gets stuck in my head, you know. So I'm just finding myself like, yeah, wanting to yeah. say it, but I'm like, can't, you know, you want to say this out loud? Like I'm just so I'm just like mumbling, whatever. <laughs> one of the one of the the funny things about it too that that's actually the first single devo ever released can you uh can you imagine that in uh you know <laughs> how <laughs> now how fast would they be canceled today yeah. um but you know and then like other songs you know like because i kind of feel like like i was saying at the beginning it's like there's there's some songs which are i, I think of as like the devo thing which is like a very angular lopsided riff that like you mentioned um dan it like kind of stops where you're not expecting it to and it's kind of like the drums are a little off and everything's kind of weird and it's just like looping and that's like kind of the the song even though it's like fundamentally a punk song and yet there are a couple songs that are like very rocking like mongoloid uncontrollable urge you know i really appreciate that it's kind of like taking the piss out of itself but it's got kind of like this you know just like the misty mountain hop riff Mm -hmm. you know from led zeppelin basically (laughs) um you know so to me those were like the low lights when it kind of you know i i I really like the song like gut feeling but it's a little bit like uh just a rock song pretty much like until like it just is like kind of a jamming like driving rock song and those were like the parts where i felt like it, it kind of broke down for me were there any like particular low lights for you darren yeah i mean you know we mentioned it with mongoloid um you know gut feeling i i kind of agree but i you know i'm sort of into the rock and roll aspect of this album like i mean i think it was pretty cool you know i mentioned that like comeback johnny was one of my favorite songs and i mean that seems like a pretty straightforward um yeah song in a lot of ways uh adds like a really kind of cool you know synth line which i think is just kind of a neat neat touch on on that and then his voice just kind of makes this like what would have been a rock song and you would think of some like macho you know voice over it you know gives it that little weird twinge i guess or whatever you want to call it but um you know i i i think i i was kind of like in the middle of the road for most of the songs for for most of the album like there wasn't really anything that was just like really hating you know what i mean it's a, it's a, mm. such a short album you know what i mean it's hard to it is yeah, to really yeah. just totally That's feel true. like you're you know thrown out of you know it's it, there's not like a we talk about sequencing all the time there's not really a section where it's just like man this that really like hit, killed the momentum or something you know it just mm. kind of keeps moving. yeah well, i was gonna ask i was gonna ask actually dan i i don't expect that you'll like you know concede any low lights <laughs> here um but do you think there's any you know i saw some people kind of claiming stuff like 
they say that like kind of the last three tracks are are, are a drop down. And I, I've mentioned that I love Shrivel Up, like probably my actually probably my favorite song here. But it's like Comeback Johnny and Sloppy, I think they are pretty fun, honestly. But doesn't that feel kind of like the filler part of the album? You know what I mean? I, I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll, I mean, if there's if there's gonna be some filler, I mean, I, I would concede that th- those two are. Um, but I, I, I think you know, it's a thirty-four and a half minute uh, record, which I think is perfect. Like this, it, it, if this was too much longer at all, you know, it would it would overstay its welcome. I think it's like perfectly timed. Um, so I, I don't think that there's any like real you know drag here. The sequencing, I, I, I think like uncontrollable urge satisfaction are like perfectly placed everything else like you could sort of move it around it doesn't really matter all all that much um here but i I mean i think this is just like i i love a good you know short record you know this is just like there's there's not i I feel like there's not really a moment wasted here you know like i mean if you want to say sloppy and come back joni like don't need to be here like okay if if something didn't need to but i i don't think that they're they're overstaying their welcome welcome or being too much of filler i mean in, in 34 minutes I, if they made this an hour record and there was you know four more of those type <laughs> yeah. of songs like yeah. then yeah they, they would become filler and i think those two songs would like become part of that list but they, they've done such a such a good job of like keeping it like short and sweet here that that, that i don't think there's any problem yeah i think that's true you don't have like enough time to really get bored but I do think that the A side is like much stronger than the B side. Um, yeah. On that note, though, any any other like, uh, I mean, Dan, what's like your favorite song here or a highlight we haven't talked about? You know, I mean, you, you got it. Jocko Homo is like obviously like the Devo song, yeah. uh, you know, so that that does that, that's an easy one. I mean, other satisfaction also, which we talked at length. I, I really love yeah. Too Much Paranoia. It's just like. I, it's such like a weird like sort of song um i love praying hands you could kind of yeah you could kind of imagine like too much paranoia is like it's almost like getting into like the hardcore punk yeah yeah <laughs> like realm a little, a little bit, bit. Uh-huh. it's like he's like screaming the like riff is kind of metalish, and like there's these huge bass bombs and it's like but then it like completely falls apart but it is like a really um noteworthy song for sure i think people will either love it or hate it yeah i mean you know it's only a minute 57 which you know is like a real hardcore punk kind of you know thing to do yeah um yeah yeah yeah, you're right i love praying hands is like such a good song um it's like you know the lyrics are are strange and uh i mean you know nowadays the the wash your hands three times a day it's good good message very very apt (laughs) um yeah i think that you know yeah, we didn't really talk about Jockahoma, but I, I think it's like a strong, strong highlight. It's like an incredibly weird, incredibly striking song. I love the way the you know the 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 time signature changes from like seven eight to four four, mm-hmm. and it's just so like clever how they refit the chant. You know, are we not men? We are Devo into the new time signature, like the way it changes there. Yeah, um, yeah. And you know, just the idea of like uh, call and response is, is really perfect for the Devo, like concept of conformity and everything like that. It's just like, everything is kind of working there. Um, any highlights we didn't mention for you, Darren? No, I think we've covered it. Okay. So just in general, I'm getting sort of a lukewarm vibe from you, Darren, just to sum up (laughs) our general thoughts on, on getting into this and for Dan revisiting it. But I mean, how would you sum up your feelings about this album? Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I, <clears throat> lukewarm is a pretty w- good way to describe it you know i don't think i necessarily hated it um you know i found myself 
you know, enjoying some moments and everything, but just not really like, you know, when you listen to something that's like totally new or something you've blundered on, you're sort of searching for that, that song maybe that kind of like grabs you and, you know, forces you to repeat it again and again. And then you sort of explore the rest of the album and, you know, it's just, that didn't really happen, I guess for me. Um, and maybe it was because I spent so much time of it, like listening without knowing really what the inside stuff was, you know what I mean? And then once I did kind of understand a bit more of the context and come back to the album, you know, I, and maybe I'm just being an old man here, but I just like, was like on the outside (laughs) of, of the joke, I guess, you know, um, I am what they're making fun of now, I guess. So. Yeah. <laughs> they're just like yeah. a capitalist square. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I kind of I kind of had this feeling like I get it. Um it, it's not that like it's not like that funny to me. Like I, sometimes it's like actually not funny. It's like a little bit like you're having your cake and eating it too kind of a thing like I mentioned. Um but overall, I guess I felt that yeah, pretty much every song here is like is is strong. And even the songs that I don't like as much, they have like they often have something like the, you know, just the like gut feeling I think is like way too long and maybe a little more like ordinary, but it's got that whole like I've got a gut feeling. You know, it's like mm-hmm. great. The whole like she's so sloppy, she's so sloppy is like just great, great hook, even though like I think the song is a little filterish. Um <laughs> so it's just like I think to me it just felt kind of like I kept thinking of you remember that band we talked about in our old podcast X-ray Specs? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like okay, it's it's a punk album, but it's like really good. You know what I mean? Like I just kind of felt like I felt a little let down by having this idea of like oh, it turns out Diva are like trailblazers, they invented new wave, they like are totally dada like sabotaging the the music industry and stuff. And then I felt like at the end of the day, it was like, this is just like a really good kind of punk record or really like a, actually kind of great punk record. Um, but how would you sum up like you're you're revisiting this week, Dan? Yeah, I mean, this, this is honestly an album that that I I would call a 10 out of 10. Um, it, it's an album mm. I, I listen to a lot, like me and my wife, like both uh, love love the, this record and Devo a lot and stuff. So th- this is honestly like a, a car record we, we, we play a lot and, and, uh. and listen to together a lot. Um, we've got a painting of it in our house. <laughs> um, uh. You know, like, like, so really, I mean, honestly, this is like a record that I, I listen to every, you know, handful of months or something at least uh once or twice so uh it's not so much revisiting as just listening to it again (laughs) yeah right okay so no big changes then um and i will i will admit though that it does it does really really get stuck in your head like you said Mm -hmm. about it yeah darren and to me that's like always a sign of like it's working you know or something like i mentioned this with fiona apple like you know it's kind of like listening just feeling it out you know seeing what i would think and then it's like i find my find it like running through my head all the time like mm-hmm. well it must be pretty good um i'm just like I'm, I'm like trying to go to sleep you know and like all i can think is like texas kansas yeah i love you know, that like, texas <laughs> <laughs> fucking crazy um okay so now i want to just spend a little time talking about the devo legacy i think we did a good job trying to like get into the what the phenomenon of devo is but you know, why would you say, Darren, that this album seems to inspire such like cult fascination? You know, I mentioned how like weird it is. It's got to be like unprecedented where it's like they have like a mainstream fan base based on the song Whip It pretty much. And then they have like this 
other separate like cult fan base based on this album, which I think the one party wouldn't really like the one versus the other. You know what I mean? Correct. Um, so what, what do you think it is about this album? Well, you know, I think it's, it's has a lot to do with kind of all the things we've been discussing about how on the surface, this sounds like the type of pop record that, you know, was going on at the time and was influential into the eighties. Right. But uh, that, you know, there's a whole, there's a whole different level, right? Um, there's a, a special club yeah. for people <laughs> yeah, who get yeah. to really know and understand. And only certain people are, are allowed to be a part of that. And, you know, it's, it's this like age old idea of like kind of just being in the know about certain music and, you know, getting to hold that close to yourself and, and your main the mainstream just never quite getting it you know what i mean and having it to yourself and that's a cool yeah. thing and I, you know and i'm not making fun of it because there's certainly bands that i probably do feel like you know i feel cooler because i know this band and you know most people don't get it or whatever you know what i mean yeah um i mean how would you you know on the note of like these two separate fan bases Dan, how would you describe like their their legacy in a mainstream sense? Because I feel like when people think of Devo, they're thinking of something like pretty different from what we find here, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, your average, you know, Joe Schmo that that knows Devo from from the radio and whatnot, they they know like Whip It, obviously. And I think like since that music video was so like influential and like really sort of like one of the like um, you know, first videos that really, you know, were a thing. So, like, a lot of people think of that. You know, they think of the funny outfits. They think of the funny hats, which are actually called energy domes. Um, <laughs> you know, they, they think of that. It's like it's like this fun, like, sort of quirky, like, you know, maybe slightly artsy, like, sort of nerdy band. I, you know, I, I think with, like, the glasses and stuff, they, they really sort of get this, like, nerd sort of thing, which which I think was kind of, like, an aesthetic of the 80s. And I don't know if it's, like, Devo just happened to fit that or if like that sort of like comes about like partially because of Devo like I I, I don't know but um you know I, I think like why this album inspires like the cult fascination and stuff is because what I said like it's just like if you strip it all away like it's just an actually like pretty good like punk record you know it, it's the same reason why yeah. like I think Talking Heads are, are a similar sort of band like you know, we sort of think of them as like these these big indie heroes, you know, that are that are doing the, the you know these like seventy seven and, and more buildings about food, and then they become this like band that's that's you know incorporating Afrobeat and all this stuff. But like I, I saw David Byrne uh, live on on his last tour uh, a year or two ago, and like I was really like shocked. Like there's so many people in there that were like clearly there because they like the songs that they know on the radio and stuff you know yeah. it, it like really was like sort of apparent that there was like sort of two fan bases like like the crowd was like very split between like people um my age um that were there you and know a bunch of mongoloids <laughs> <laughs> well, that was gabe you can email him directly but, um, no yeah i mean it was a bunch of like uh, you know moms and dads and i'm sure some of the moms Normies. and dads were cool yeah yeah but then there was like you know just normies who who know the the songs in the radio or or you know it, it like really like honestly shocked me that like he he david bird and, and talking yeah. heads were like so big and and i think like devo I, i've never seen devo live um but i i feel like that's like sort of how it would be if you went to a devo show you know like you you would get this mix yeah, of like people that 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 see them as these sort of like cult heroes and then these people who just 
you know, like whip it and, and think the outfits are cool and like, you know, like sort of like the 80s. I, I don't know. The 80s is just like sort of the, the, the time that it, that it is both of those things, you know, like and I mean, I know this album is, is 70s um, and another album that's also late 70s, like the B-52s are sort of the same way. You know, people know Rock Lobster and, uh, you know, uh, uh, Brick House or, or, or I can't think of the goddamn song now. Yeah, but what is that? Love Shack. Love Shack. Yeah, Brick House. There you go. There we go. Love Shack. <laughs> you know, they know those. That was but played then, at the like, wedding, actually. That, that's often played at weddings. That's a banger. That is <laughs> it is a absolute banger. banger. It is a banger. But, um, you know, but then there's people like me. Like, I, I absolutely adore that first uh, B-52s record. And, you know, Rock Lobster's fine, but I, I, I sort of see that as a low point, you know, uh, of the thing. <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, Whip It, I think, is a low point. Like, that, that record, Freedom of Choice, I like that record a lot. But honestly, when Whip It comes on, I, I tend to skip it because it's just one of those songs that's, like, so drilled. Skip it, it good. Yeah, it's just so drilled into, like, <laughs> culture and society that it becomes, like, I just, it's, yeah. it's like but sitting I, through a commercial. I, I, don't know. I you feel know? like. Yeah, but I feel like, you know, even the kind of normie fans, quote unquote, would sort of recognize Devo as pioneers of music video um, mm-hmm. and pioneers of the synth heavy 80s sound. Um, I think that they have and deserve that legacy, but that this album has like very little to do with that. And I feel like this album, and I do know that, that those like hardcore Devo compilations are supposed to be, you know, people love them. Yeah, it's they're like really great. I think you would like those, actually. Yeah, because, you know, I, I did a little previewing on YouTube or whatever, and it sounded a little bit more like weirder, you know? It sounded a little bit more like Cabaret Voltaire, like The mm-hmm. Residence or something like that, you know? And it almost made me wonder if like they they consciously tried to make their sound a little bit more accessible on uh, on this album, which I guess is a different question. but. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, I I just think it's really fascinating because you don't hear a lot of, you know, like people, like the kind of music nerds, they, they love like concept albums Mm -hmm. and Devo's is like a concept band, which is pretty crazy actually. You know, it's like, um, I can't think of a lot of other examples. I mean, I remember being young and being like, blew my fucking mind that like Eminem was making an album from all three of his personas. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, this is this one's Slim Shady. This one's Marshall Mathers. This one's Eminem. You know, like, um, so you know that kind of like big, big concept. I don't know. It just like attracts the kind of like music obsessives that I, I think this album is like really made for, and the kind of people. Yeah, they feel like they're on the in group. Um, so you know, just to kind of return one last time to the question that bugged me all week. You know, well. You know, I feel like that that dichotomy, it's like significant, you know, because like I said, people are like, oh, they've got the, those are the normies that like Devo, but they don't really get Devo. But like, at the end of the day, is it, is it a little bit bullshit, Darren? Like, how subversive is this really when it's, you know what I mean? Or like Whip It, especially, like how subversive is Whip It really? Is it at all? Well, I mean, if you are, you know, willing to do a little bit of studying up, you know, and try to understand um <laughs> which i don't you know 1980 that didn't really exist so i don't i don't know how folks like my father could have ever understood it i mean i think the music video is kind of like you know making it somewhat obvious i think but um yeah i i don't know i i, sh- I just struggle i struggle with it but you know i'm i'm the the normie on the, the normie <laughs> side i guess so 
<laughs> Darren sounds hurt. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> he just realized that this whole album for, just making been fun making of me fun of him for, for two weeks. <laughs> I, I yeah. think, you know, like, uh, the dichotomy, uh, I mean... It's easy to say it's like a little bullshit and and then it's not really that subversive. But but and I you know, I don't want to get into like too deep of an art thing, but like think of like Picasso. You know, like Picasso was like the ultimate like subversive, and then he becomes arguably the most famous artist of all time. You know, like nobody doesn't know who Picasso is, but he also like, you know, when he when he started Cubism, like that was that was a subversive act um that just became unsubversive you know what i mean like i I think when you look at it like that way it's like like you know maybe there was some subversion in whip it um it's based on some like the video and everything it's based on some like really uh highfalutin novel that i i can't think of the name (laughs) of right now but i mean i've never read it It, it, it's like if you look into it it's actually like pretty um like highbrow uh and, and whatnot you know and and i think like that like today when you listen to whip it it's a song you've heard on eight million commercials uh on the radio eight million times you know so it's it's hard to like separate it i mean like i said like even i I like that record and i have a hard time with that song just because like i knew that song like so uh deeply before i ever like listened to that record or listened to devo or anything so it's it's like really sort of hard to like separate it just because it's it's become so so ingrained like in the culture but i i think i think there is a subversion there and that just like just because something becomes popular doesn't mean that it's it's no longer subversive or or never was subversive rather yeah i guess you know it's like i mean well in the normies defense i think that everybody thinks of whip it as like a funny song you know i don't think mm-hmm. like people are like that yeah yeah brain dead, you know what i mean um it is a funny song and a funny video and everything but like i i i guess like we, we've talked about it um so a couple times recently actually where it's like it sort of seemed like um you know like vaporwave for example it's like kind of making fun of a sound and then like ironically and then that sound kind of gets incorporated and mm-hmm. then you hear like you know, you hear a lot of like hip hop artists or whatever who have this kind of like weird warped like kind of retro thing going on, and it's like uh, it's very it's like sincere. It's like taking that sound that was kind of ironic or like that retro sound and and kind of doing something with it. And I feel like you know it, it maybe blunts the impact in retrospect of what Devo is doing because they were followed by an entire decade of people just kind of like doing that like sincerely, you know, and whip it in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I think that it probably was very like subversive at the time because, you know, it's like, I don't know, maybe it's, you know, like craft work or something like it's intentionally robotic. Mm-hmm. It's intentionally like, um, sounds intentionally primitive in some places and stuff. And yet, um, because it became the sound, you know, it, it, it sort of like warps the way it must've sounded like very shocking, I think at the, at the time. And so I think we can credit them for that, even though maybe if it's hard to listen to less, question i wanted to uh get to just as sort of a fun thought experiment like could something like devo exist today and like what would it be like like what would they be taking the piss out of if they existed today i don't know because we're in such and i think devo is like one sort of cause of it we're we're in such like a uh ironic like sarcastic <laughs> th- time you know like yeah uh, you know it's like genuinely like when you go on twitter or something like I feel like, 
and you always sort of like i don't know if it's just me or whatever but like you know when the people our age we sort of like have this like sarcastic speech and everything and then like sometimes when you you forget and you like do that around your parents or something and they like don't they're not in on it and they they like take you at face value and you have to be like oh no it's like a joke yeah you have to be like oh whoops you know i i, I accidentally you know forgot you were a boomer or something but like yeah yeah you know it, it, it's like i don't know like as a, i don't think i think if devo existed today just everyone would like very much realize that it's sarcastic and it would maybe be a little stupid because everyone's doing it you know it would just it wouldn't be it wouldn't be subversive because it would just sort of be uh what everyone's doing but i don't know like how much responsibility like devo has like in a hand in that and i'm and i'm sure they do you know at least to, to some some respect especially like in music you know yeah what do you think Darren? um i mean I, I think it could sort of exist i mean I, I think in a broader sense the internet or like uh the age of like trolls right um kind of already yeah. w- w- they, i think that would be what this would lean into if such music like existed right it would be like a music like a soundtrack for the trolls of the internet. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> and it would probably be like so absurd, right? Like just so, so absurd, so dumb that like, there may not be any subversion at all, but like, you know, if you are a troll on the internet, um, then you just get it right. And then you get to, I think there's always going to be room for people who, you know, listen to something in a in a way that is different than the way uh mainstream audiences listen to this very same thing. You know what I mean? Um Yeah. I, I think there's always going to be that where where certain people or that group will will say, Oh yeah, you just don't get it, but you um you think you do, but you don't, you know? Yeah, I think that's true. And yet I do think I agree with Dan that it it, it feels very difficult, if not impossible, because of like how because you know like it's hard to think of, and I, I'm always amazed, you know, like when you read stuff about like the Vietnam War or like Watergate, right? You're like, aren't you like kind of shocked? Like, wait, so like boomers trusted the government to, be, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like they were like, it like rocked them to the core that like the U.S. would send us into a war that was like unnecessary and like ill-advised. You know what I mean? And like now it's just like. Yeah, of course, they do that all the time. Um, and you just can't even imagine that people would be that trusting or whatever. So I think about like the song Satisfaction here. I think what they were doing at the time was like, you know, like listeners must have been like, what are you doing? Everybody loves that song. You know what I mean? Like, that's a great song. Mm-hmm. Uh, why, why are you making fun of it? Um, <laughs> and there's like pretty much nothing in our culture that that you could do that to now that you could just be like. I don't know, maybe like Steve Irwin or something. If you're making taking the piss out of Steve Irwin, people would be like, "What the <laughs> fuck are you doing?" That everybody loves Steve Irwin. You know what I mean? But like, there aren't that many. What things a topical we, reference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, then we all the last all, thing everyone loved. Yeah. <laughs> that, could that be the last thing everyone loved? Steve That's Irwin. A good question. That is. We should do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, what, you know what I mean, right? Like, there's just nothing to take the piss out of because, like there's always going to be people already that, you know, look down at it or make fun of it or whatever. Yeah, no, I, 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 I completely agree with you. I think that was sort of like what I was getting at. I mean, like with Vaporwave, like Vaporwave, like sort of is that, but it's, it, it has, like, it has a little tinge of like, obviously the, you know, Yacht Rock sucked, but 
you know, <laughs> yeah, it was, right, it right. was all right. You know, like it would, it, how, how it can be you make funny? fun of, how can you make fun of something if like, we don't have a starting point on like a universal opinion, you know? Cause it's kind of like you, we all know this music was shitty. Let's laugh at it together or something. But like, there's nothing that we all know anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like it, it, it's like sort of odd that like the, the, the breadth of information like we have now has like really actually like made everything like more spread out you know you would think like that would like unify where it really like does the complete opposite you know like there's just too much information so like not everybody knows about the same stuff like i mean it's hard to like sometimes like when you think about bands and stuff like i think of like most of my friends i think of the places i go on the internet like it feels like neutral milk hotel is like the most famous band ever or something but like (laughs) if you go in the real world like nobody knows who the fuck that is you know and and like it it, it is so easy to get like in these like little um you know enclaves of of like uh, clicks or whatever you know uh, like scenes and, and sort of like lose touch with like the rest of the world or whatever yeah broader culture which maybe that's de-evolution hey (laughs) yeah because i I, you know if you like i'm on twitter all the time you know and i'm like you know during the primaries i'm like man bernie's gonna win this thing by no yeah joe Joe biden's not gonna get a single vote but you know it's like just not the real world at all (laughs) um yeah any any closing uh thoughts darren on devo or our our oversaturated reality that we're stuck with now or anything (laughs) Um, you know, I, I'm glad that we listened to this, you know what I mean? I, I think that this was definitely something that I, um, blundered on, like totally missed actually. Like I, I, I admit I, it yeah. was not even something that was really on my radar to, uh, to mm-hmm. listen to. So I'm, I think it was definitely a, a cool experience. I, I don't know if I'll come back to this particular record, but I am certainly interested in maybe, in maybe checking out, um, some of their other albums to kind of just see how, you know, how things develop. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I also am really glad that I finally got around to it. I think it really does challenge my what I thought I understood about like the development of sort of punk and new wave and stuff in the late seventies. Um, and I uh, I already this week did spend some time with those later albums because my girlfriend fucking loves the song Whip It, it <laughs> just over and over again. Well, that's great. Well, you're both welcome. Um, we should we should do more Dan things. Uh, <laughs> well, what do you think? Uh, we'd love to read your thoughts on the air. Feel free to request albums that I like at e- uh, <laughs> I fucked it all up. Uh, what do you think? We'd love to read your thoughts on the air. Email us popshieldpod at gmail.com. Our next episode, believe it or not, we know what it is already. We're going to bring you the wow. best albums of 1970. Uh, we, we keep thinking of episodes and we're like, oh, it's the 50th anniversary of this. It's the 50th anniversary of that. And we just can't get to them all. So we're going to do a, a big, giant episode of celebrating those records for you so if you like the show help us up subscribe leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast stay connected twitter facebook instagram all that junk is at pop shield pod and we'll see you in two weeks see ya so long